Hello. This podcast is being recorded on March 24th. Um, I am going to be covering some stuff about the new moon that we have today, as well as touching on some other um, themes related to the last episode and sort of the astrology of the coronavirus and um, some more context for, for what's happening now. So, um, today we have our new moon in Aries. Um, the spring equinox is the beginning of Aries season and marks the beginning of the astrological new year. Um, so this new moon, you know, you hear a lot, especially online, especially in pop astrology, um, there's all kinds of nice recommendations about how to use the new moon. And so I'm not going to be talking about those things because I feel like um, the market is incredibly flooded with those types of posts. And by now it just feels like the same old scripted, um, rehearsed, whatever. <laughs> I'm just not into it is what I'm saying. Um, however you use the new moon, totally up to you. Um, I just like to have a more practical discussion about the, um, the aspects around the new moon, um, things like that. And then however you want to use that in your life, totally your call. So we had our new moon, um, at 5:28 AM this morning. Um, the chart for the new moon is uh, we have, I based this, I put the location as where I live um, in Tennessee, which is Eastern, um, Eastern Standard Time. So if you look at the chart for this new moon, um, any event can have a quote unquote birth chart, if you will. Um, it's really just the chart of the moment. But the way that I use these um, in relation to the moon cycle or the lunation is um, generally a two-week period. So from new moon to full moon and then the full moon to the next new moon is a different, um, a different period um, based on the way that I use these charts. And, of course, I still use a chart of the day. Um, I check the chart, not necessarily every single day, but every few days I like to just peek in and see what's going on. Um, but generally the chart that occurs at the moment um, of the new moon will sort of give us a hint as to um, what's going to be happening over the next two weeks as that moon builds to a full moon. Um, and just sort of how it might relate to our lives on some level. Um, and of course, this is going to be more specifically unique to everyone's individual birth chart. So if you do know your birth chart and you want to pull that up real quick, um, because I will be talking about certain signs so you can see um, what house that is for you. Um, and then that'll tell you more about sort of what this, um, moon is going to be like for you on a personal level. So what I'll be speaking about is more broadly. So pulling up <clears throat> the chart for the new moon, we have Aquarius ascendant. Um, and this is where all of our lovely Saturn, Pluto, Mars, uh, stuff is going on. Um, and then we have 
uh, Jupiter is still in Capricorn, which in this particular chart would be the 12th house. Now, the 12th house represents um, the subconscious, and it also represents hidden enemies or um, basically lots of things that we cannot see, whether it's physical or psychological. The 12th house for us is a place um, that is very unclear, and it's difficult for us to see anything there. Um, much less see the truth or gain clarity from the 12th house. Um, this is also greatly associated with shadow work. So if you have done any kind of therapy, um, the 12th house is the place where you start to dig those things up out of the psyche and address them. Um, so <clears throat> uh, Jupiter in the 12th house, Jupiter normally um, brings good things. Jupiter is a fun guy. Um, he's all about having a good time. And wherever he is, he brings um, just benefits in general. Now, he doesn't do, <laughs> he doesn't do his best work in Capricorn. Um, and especially this being in the 12th house, this is a feeling of not being able to see maybe the bright side of things or not feeling very optimistic, which is completely understandable with the state of the world right now, but it is interesting to see that um, in the chart. So not only is it just like common sense that we would be feeling that way, but it is uh, in the stars, if you will. So he's in the 12th house, and then we have Saturn, Mars, and Pluto um, in Aquarius. And we also have the part of fortune right on the ascendant, um, on the ascendant line here. So the part of fortune is um, a measurement point within a chart that indicates um, something about the chart, something within the chart that would um, bring us good fortune. So what does that mean for Aquarius and, and also to be on the ascendant? So Aquarius at its... Um, at its best is extremely humanitarian. It's very much putting the group before the individual in a lot of ways, even though Aquarius does have the reputation of being the quirky individual, um, and that is true. Aquarius is, at its best, it is not selfish, um, and it appreciates all different types of people. So having the part of fortune in Aquarius right now would indicate that us being able to embody those qualities right now and thinking of the group before ourselves and having um, behaviors that are much more geared towards humanitarian effort and, and self-sacrifice and just keeping the bigger picture in mind are going to be um, really helpful to us over the next two weeks. I mean, that's always helpful, but um, most especially given the nature of this chart, um, again, that's just kind of perfect and in line with what's happening right now. So um, we also have the asteroid series uh, in Aquarius currently in the first house. And this is, she's a feminine archetype of um, the mother. Uh, if you know, I will, by the way, I will be making a lot of... Um, references to mythology and different myths because that ties in a lot to astrology um, and it also in my experience makes relating to um, these archetypes or these elements easier when we do it um, 
by connecting to myths, it just sort of anthropomorphizes um, the planets, which just make them easier to understand. So if you are at all familiar with the story of Persephone um, and Demeter, Ceres and Demeter are essentially the same, um, the same goddess. It's the green goddess. So she represents how we find nourishment. Um, and also, in some cases, because of the story of um, Demeter and Persephone, this asteroid represents our relationship to grief um, because the whole story around Persephone, you know, she gets abducted by Pluto, taken to the underworld, um, and then they kind of strike this deal that she has to, she can come back, but only for six months out of the year. So she has to split her time between um, being in the quote unquote, you know, above ground normal world and then being uh, in the underworld for six months. So that's where we also tie that into the seasons um, and how we have, you know, half the year we have spring, summer, and then we have fall and winter. And according to the myth, that is when Persephone has to descend back into the underworld and her mother gets very um, sad and grieves that loss. And so because of that, um, a lot of things don't grow and it's harder for us to um, get nourishment. So that's the myth related to um, this particular asteroid. Now, having that in Aquarius um, and in the first house would definitely indicate a feeling of um, grieving collectively, grieving for the country, um, grieving for the world, again, tying into that like humanitarian theme of Aquarius. Um, Aquarius rules large groups of people and communities, and in some cases government, although um, Capricorn rules a lot of parts of government as well. Um, Aquarius is more like for the people, by the people type of um, government. So, and then being in the first house, which is uh, partially the physical body, you know, really embodying the feeling of sadness and grief, which again is completely normal right now. Um, and then we have Mercury in Pisces, and of course, Mercury rules our communication, um, as well as the ways that we receive and analyze information. Um, so Mercury in Pisces, is going to be receiving information from and about the collective. Um, and that just means like, you know, world news, um, broad sweeping news. Um, and then there's also going to be a lot of um, communication around that. So if you do happen to be out in the world, you know, um, that's all anybody's talking about. So it's this collective communication and connection around this shared experience. Um, so there's that. And then we have our new moon and the sun in Aries. We're only a few days into Aries season. Um, that is essentially conjunct Chiron. So Chiron is another asteroid that has ties to mythology. So the story of Chiron, um, the most brief condensed version of Chiron, is he was a centaur and he was a healer. Um, and I 
unfortunately can't remember the exact specifics of why he did this, but he um, made a sacrifice for somebody that he loved. And so it, um, he was still immortal, but he did lose his own power to heal himself. So he wouldn't, he couldn't be killed, but he could be wounded. And so Chiron represents, um, our wounds, um, and it usually, a lot of times it ties into childhood, but not always. Um, and Chiron also represents a wound that we kind of have to learn to live with because he couldn't heal himself. Um, so wherever your Chiron is in your particular chart would indicate um, a struggle that you have internally that you kind of just have to learn to live with. So having the sun and the moon both um, conjunct Chiron just highlights, again, these um, fears and concerns. Now, this is all in the second house of this chart. So the second house has to do with um, resources, which we talked about a lot in the last episode. Physical resources, financial resources. Um, and because Aries is largely the sign of the individual, um, this is, you know, a lot of concern about our own resources in terms of, you know, being able to pay the rent, um, being able to buy food, things like that, being able to earn money. So that feeling is probably, um, perhaps even a bit exaggerated today. And again, that's totally normal. Um, it's just interesting to see it within the context of the chart because everything's lining up perfectly, but that's astrology for you. Um, so then we also have, um, I wanted to talk about a fixed star today. Oh, let me, okay. Let me finish talking about, um, this second house and then I'll talk about the fixed star. So, uh, we also have Uranus and Taurus, but it is in the second house of this particular um, new moon. So again, Uranus being very unstable, um, in the second house is just, nobody really knows how their income is going to be. Um, in the United States, of course, we're waiting to hear about the stimulus package and it just keeps going back and forth. And so everybody's sort of holding their breath, hoping that, um, something will be passed to help people. But again, there's just a lot of uncertainty uh, and chaos around that. Um, so if all those things are on your mind today, I mean, that's probably universally true right now. So <laughs> I don't know that that's necessarily any sense of comfort, um, but that's just sort of the situation that we're in currently. Okay. So to talk about this fixed star, um, I only recently started learning more about fixed stars because in astrology, there's just, it's, it's endless. Um, <laughs> I've been studying this for like seven years and, um, there's just always something new to learn, which is great, but overwhelming. So if you're just getting started, I get it. Um, <laughs> 
it's tough and it can feel like you're sort of drowning in information and it's best to pick uh, one particular thing to start with and sort of just slowly let yourself digest these things um, before you move forward um, because it's like cramming for a test you know if you if you try to shove all this information in your brain too quickly you're not going to retain it long term and it's not going to be something that um, you can recall very easily so um, I just wanted to give a disclaimer that I, I'm not claiming to be an expert on fixed stars. I just started getting into them last year. Um, but this one in particular is interesting. And oddly enough, the only reason um, that I know much about it is because it is conjunct my natal sun. Um, so it has a lot of influence over uh, my life. So this star is called, and I hope I don't um, mispronounce this, but I'm trying my best. This star is called um, Batenkatos. So I'll spell that out. B-A-T-E-N-K-A-I-T-O-S if you want to independently research this. Um, and again, it ties into a lot of mythology, as do most constellations. Um, so Baton Katos is at 22 degrees air. Well, it's 21.5 degrees Aries. So, you know, basically 22 degrees Aries. Um, and this is part of a larger constellation. Um, and it's a whale. And, and sometimes in, um, depending on the mythology that you look up, it's, you know, a sea monster of sorts, but generally just regarded as a whale. So Batenkatos in particular is a large star in the belly of the whale. Um, and this relates to the myth of Jonah in the Bible, um, who gets, you know, swallowed by the whale and kind of just has to like wait it out for a while. Um, and there's um, a lot of connection here with uh, loss and sadness and hardship. Um, it is associated with um, a lot of falls and misfortune through force. Um, in my case in particular, with my son conjunct to that, I am one of the clumsiest people on the planet. <laughs> um, I honestly don't know how I haven't uh, been more severely injured in my life, but thank goodness I have really strong bones apparently. So, um, but this star in general just has a feeling of deep sadness around it. Um, it also has a lot of ties to Saturn. So if you think about what we discussed um, in the previous episode about the Saturn-Pluto conjunction and just the themes around Saturn of deprivation and restriction, um, that's just another element here that um, is probably going to be highlighted fairly soon. Um, but I'm bringing it up because I forgot this in the last episode. Um, we had the... Saturn-Pluto conjunction back in January at 22 degrees Capricorn, and um, this is squaring this fixed star of um, Batenkatos. So a square is an aspect that um, pushes 
on things and it can be kind of combative and it's very um it's a very active aspect so you have you know saturn pluto conjunction is already um pretty rough on its own and having it um having it square you know this fixed star indicative of sadness and loss kind of just it like adds insult to injury in a lot of ways um but I just realized I just drew that connection this morning and when I was going over notes I was like oh shit that you know that was squaring that star so of course it would just be um really collectively sad and the whole story of Jonah um you know, having that resignation to know that you can't really do anything right now. Um, and that's incredibly frustrating. And, um, and honestly, the best thing to do is kind of to just wait. And that's certainly not something that most of us are good at. (laughs) Um, but that's just kind of a theme that's coming up currently. Um, so we also have, um, Eris. So Eris is a planet that was discovered in 2005, um, out beyond Pluto, but it is oddly enough heavier or believed to be, um, denser than Pluto based on, um, the orbit of its moon and a couple other things. So, um, Eris is seen as the female counterpart to Mars. So Mars is a very um, combative, masculine, active, warlike energy. And Eris is, um, you could sort of associate her with Athena in certain ways, um, but any time that a new planet or asteroid is discovered, um, the time that it is that it's discovered is considered indicative of what that planet represents archetypally. So, if you look at um, when Pluto was discovered, which came before Eris, um, Pluto was discovered two years before the first, um, you know, before the first atomic bomb and stuff. So or before they started to gain that technology. Um, So that's one of the reasons that Pluto represents uh, the destroyer and creator. If you've ever seen, and I highly recommend it, although maybe not right now, um, given the current climate, but there's this amazing documentary. Um, Let me see. I just want to make sure that I'm getting the name correct. Yes. Okay. Um, I think it's on YouTube also. Um, I had to watch it. It's a documentary about the creation of the atomic bomb. Um, and I watched it in my, one of my political science classes in college. I took a nuclear proliferations class just because I wanted to. Um, (laughs) it was my last semester Uh, And I just got really tired of paying for classes that I didn't really, I knew I wouldn't use them um, in the future, like probability and statistics. Not, I don't want to pay for that. I'm not going to use it. 
So um, I decided to take a new nuclear proliferations class because I just thought it was really important to know about, um, and I find it useful personally. But anyway, that was a tangent. Um, it's called The Day After Trinity, and it's, yeah, it's all about the creation of the nuclear bomb, and then um, it's so sobering to watch the reactions um, and the interviews of the scientists that created it because it's like they got so caught up in the um, science of it and the creation of it that they, they kind of lost sight of the repercussions of, of what they were creating. Um, and a lot of them deeply regret their work, you know, in hindsight. So it's just, it's a really good sobering documentary. Um, but anyway, so that sort of gives some context to, um, to Pluto. So Pluto was discovered around that time, and then um, Eris was discovered in 2005. So if you look at the planets as sort of like an evolution, you know, a progression, if you will, um, Pluto destroys so that then you can create. So Eris coming after Pluto would indicate um, what would come after the destruction. So having Eris um, have some ties to Athena in certain ways. Um, Athena is a war goddess, but she doesn't like combat, and she tries to avoid it and to um, uh, diplomatically handle things. Um, so, I mean, you know, hopefully that's where we're headed. But um, she is also at 23 degrees Aries. So you have her right next to the fixed star that represents all of this um, sorrow and loss and um, kind of being at the, at the mercy of fate and not being able to, to do a lot. Um, <clears throat> so that's sort of flavoring this um, whole situation, if you will. Um, and then when I was reading about her, um, this reference came up to this ancient prophecy um, of swords being turned into plowshares. And so I just wanted to look that up for reference because I'd heard it before, but I wasn't really sure uh, what um, the exact quote was. And it's from the Bible. And again, like, I kind of, not to disrespect anybody's religion, but I just look at all religions as like mythologies. Like, here are um, stories and archetypes to give voice to how we should structure our society. Um, so, <coughs> pardon me, I don't think you have to necessarily be a Christian um, to appreciate the stories. So, um, the prophecy is from the book of Isaiah, and it says... And he shall judge among the nations, and shall rebuke many people. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. And it got me to thinking about what I was talking about yesterday, about how people are realizing, like, oh, I should probably just go ahead and grow my own food, and um, the necessity of you know, when your most immediate needs are threatened, like food and resources, um, it's, 
it just sort of restructures priorities and rightly so. And it's, you know, I see this as such an opportunity for the world to actually come together, get over our bullshit and help each other. Um, and the countries that are rejecting help aren't doing very well. Um, and a lot of that is just <clears throat> pride, um, and isolationism, um, in terms of like, you know, we can do it ourselves. We don't need you. And let me know how that works out for you. But, um, so that just sort of, I don't know, it was really funny that I would read that today when I just talked about that yesterday. Um, so that's just another theme I think for this time is like realizing what can come after all the destruction that's kind of inevitable is like people realize what's really important and are much more likely to help each other um, and work together. So maybe that's just my own little optimistic take on it. But um, so that's the the most, you know, basic astrology that I wanted to. Um, oh, one last thing. Okay. So we also have the vertex of this new moon chart in Virgo. The vertex is another thing that I've just recently started um, learning about, and I'll be the first to admit I'm not like super duper familiar with it. Um, it's just been coming up lately, and so I've been looking into it more um, and trying to read up on it. But the vertex is always on the um, right side of the chart, and it's usually in the fifth, sixth, seventh, or eighth house, depending on the chart. It's considered an alternate descendant, um, but in general, it just represents um, a certain kind of destiny or fate related to other people and the ways that we meet other people. So having the vertex in the seventh house automatically, um, <clears throat> uh, this automatically highlights the uh, relationship that we have to others. And being in Virgo, um, Virgo rules over a lot of the healthcare industry. So while there are all these planets on the left side of the chart and mainly um, in the first and second houses, which is um, us and our um, resources, and most of the rest of the chart is empty, but the vertex is in the seventh house, and this is just a clear indication of how we have to assume a lot of personal responsibility um, and keep to ourselves for the sake of our healthcare workers. Um, and I imagine that this, you know, healthcare as a whole being ruled by Virgo having the vertex there now, there is um, a feeling of like fate or destiny that they all um, have to be where they are right now. And I wouldn't want to speak for them um, and assume that that's how they feel or anything, but that's certainly how it looks in the chart. Um, so that was just another interesting point that I noticed this morning. Um, okay. And then just some general, trying to like lighten the mood here. Um, <laughs> Just some general new moon stuff. So, of course, if you have the internet and you follow anything astrology related, there's always the same spiel, you know, oh, new moon, new me, setting intentions, da-da-da-da-da. That, that's all well and good. Um, 
But I feel like sometimes a lot of that, that kind of language can abstract um, from the reality of um, the, how the new moon translates more um, physically. So the new moon, physical energy is almost always really low around the new moon. Um, much like how when there's, you know, the opposite, when there's a full moon and the um, hospitals, the ERs fill up because people are going crazy and people don't sleep very well around the full moon. So this is just the opposite of that. Um, the physical energy is pretty low and the mental energy can be low. Um, I know I definitely feel kind of fried today mentally. Um, I haven't been checking the news as much. Um, I've just been more so trying to keep myself busy with physical tasks. Um, so that might be something that's coming up for you right now. Um, and then also yesterday when I was talking about um, gardening and stuff, Traditionally, you know, if you're from Appalachia, you probably know this, um, or if you have a grandpa that's a farmer, you it's it's best to plant seeds, like literally, I don't mean that in any sort of abstract um, psychological sense, I mean actual physical seeds. It's best to plant them at the new moon or just like a few days uh, after the new moon. You don't want to plant things on the full moon. Um, for whatever bizarre reason, it just kind of messes up the seed's ability to um, germinate the way that it needs to and to grow. It has to grow in the darkness at first. And if you notice on seed packets, um, a lot of them say that the it won't usually break soil for 14 to 28 days. 14 days is the cycle between the new moon and the full moon. Um, and then 28 days is like a full lunar cycle, so I thought that was interesting, too. Um, and if you have intentions you want to set, by all means, um, I just personally, again, I don't know. I don't want to sound judgmental. Like, everybody should do their thing, but I, I do approach astrology from a much more practical, um, physical, material uh, means. And I think it's because um, it's just, it's more lived that way. It's more experiential instead of just being sort of abstract thought processes. Um, and I might talk more about that eventually in a different episode. But um, yeah, I wanted to bring up the seed thing because that's just sort of another um, example of how the energy generally is just more conducive for rest. Um, and kind of taking it easy if you can. If you're in quarantine, it's like, well, we've all been taking it pretty easy <laughs> um, to some extent anyway. But yeah, if you were going to start some seed babies, um, this would be a great day to do it. Um, and yeah, I, I want to extend some, um, you know, mutual... Um, grief to my to my fellow Aries people who have birthdays coming up because it's like um well I guess we're just gonna be home and and that's fine um it, it is a little bit of a bummer but um interestingly for me personally my son is an Aries in the fourth house and the fourth house is home um 
so I feel, I feel pretty, pretty good at home. It's fine. Like whatever. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll do what we got to do. Um, I'm just hoping maybe for some nice weather. Cause if I don't get outside and walk around in the woods, I'm going to lose my mind. But, oh, um, one last thing I forgot to mention about the new moon chart. Um, Vesta is in the, she is right on the line of the IC, which is the cusp of the fourth house. Um, Vesta is another asteroid. Um, if you know the mythology around Vesta or Hestia, she rules the home, um, the fires of the home, hearth and home, that, that whole thing. She's very solitary. She represents the ways that we sort of find, um, find our connection to spirituality in the home or just in solitude. She has definitely has like a spiritual quality. Um, if you want to look up some myths about her, but it's interesting too, that she is right on the line of the IC uh, and the fourth house rules the home as well as all the things that we protect and keep close to us. So if I was ever going to construct a chart that said, stay the fuck at home, it's today's chart. And that's pretty much going to be the theme for the next two weeks. And I don't know that anybody needed astrology to tell them that. Um, but there it is. Uh, so for my own, um, comfort it it is good to see these things align so perfectly and the more you get into it um sometimes it can almost be a little bit creepy just to know how um tightly woven we are in um, the way that our lives are shaped and influenced by the planets so anyway um i hope that you can find some very relaxing comforting things to do today. Take it easy on yourself. Um, my favorite new moon stuff to do, even though I'm usually pretty tired, um, around the new moon, I do have certain things that I sort of insist on doing. Um, I like to clean my house. I like to do a lot of reading and then always, of course, taking just a really nice long salt bath, which is a good idea anytime. Um, but it, I kind of make it a point to do that around, um, the new moon and the full moon. So anyway, that's all I got for you today. Thanks for listening. Um, I guess I'm just going to keep doing this when it feels relevant since I just have all sorts of time on my hands. Um, I'm slowly constructing a Patreon and I want to keep it super duper accessible um, and super affordable and I'll probably only have two tier options and one will be really inexpensive and it'll just be um, access you know to the podcast and then the only other tier I will have will probably be more specialized to include things like um, personalized mercury retrograde reports and things like that that I've been doing anyway, um, just on an individual basis, but I might offer that through Patreon, um, cause it might be easier that way. I don't know. I will keep you posted, but yeah. Um, good luck to everybody. We're going to be okay. Eventually just be safe and, um, 
try trying to keep yourself occupied. I know I'm personally feeling like Jack Nicholson in The Shining, so I get it. I'm right there with you. Um, but thanks for listening, and hopefully I will have some more relevant information later this week. Um, but just give yourself a little treat today. It is the new moon, and we are indefinitely stuck at home. So be kind to yourself. Okay, bye.